I was literally texting Phil what we were doing because it was like a light bulb went off above my head. And I'm like, that's what it's called. That's what I've done my whole life. My leadership skill has a name, which I didn't realize. Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. This show asks questions that everybody is thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. It's about tackling complex topics like why are there so few women in senior leadership positions? What is it going to take to change this? Each episode is a combination of motivation and tactical strategies to get ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. We learn, grow, and create opportunities. I am your host, Andrea Jansen, a certified executive coach with an MBA. And since 2018, I've coached over a thousand construction professionals to level up their leadership. Let's get started. Years of experience and technical knowledge are highly valued in the construction industry, and that is how most people rise to leadership roles. I am excited to share a different perspective with you today. In this episode, Phil Dyeshan and Jill Tremblay from Verge Technologies have been in construction for only two years. They learned about the industry and grew the company by relying on their transformational leadership skills. They added structure, built trust, and leveraged their communication skills. On this episode, Jill and Phil talked about how they leaned into their transformational leadership skills to get up to speed on the construction industry relatively quickly, how they were able to leverage communication to build morale inside the company and strengthen relationships with clients, and why having confidence in your leadership abilities can help you figure out any challenge. I am honored to share this interview with you today. Hi, Jill and Phil. Thank you so much for coming on Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. Welcome. I am honored that you're here today and share your story, to share your story about how transformational leadership is helping you grow Verge Technologies. First off, Jill, can you introduce yourself and tell us about your role within the company? Sure. My name is Jill Tromley. I am in charge of a couple different things at the company. I do all the purchasing and AP, AR, and I run the warehouse as well for the company. Cool. What do you like most about working in the construction industry? It's something different every day. And I think that's what I really enjoy about it. Every job is different. It could be a small project or a large project, but everything's a little different. And I think that that's what I like about it the most. Okay, cool. And we're going to talk later about your previous career in the hotel industry. And I think that's probably a theme that kind of carried through for you. For sure. Bill, how about you? Can you introduce yourself and tell us what you do at Verge? Sure. Obviously, my name is Phil and I work at Verge and I'm the vice president and COO here. So right now I do everything operations. Jill and I work closely together when it comes to the purchasing side of things and stuff in the warehouse. But I do all the scheduling and ensure all the techs get on site with all their material, handle all the issues that arise on projects and everything else in between. What do you love about working in construction? I share Jill's sentiments that every day is different and there's lots of different challenges on all different levels. Depending on the type of projects, we do a lot of service work as well. So there's always, everyone needs something done right away. and. The challenge is always trying to fit all our customers in and, and provide great customer service to them. 
Okay. Thank you. So I am so curious because neither of you started out in the construction industry. And Julie, I'd love it if you can start and tell me how this all happened and how you got into the industry. Yeah. So I started in hotels when I was 15 years old. So my entire, I went to college for hotel management. I worked at six different properties in our city from low end to high end properties and every position in between from front desk to housekeeping, right up to general manager of a small property in our city. And I, I found myself not loving the industry after a, a long time there. So I wanted to try something different. And I spoke to a recruitment specialist who made me look at my transferable skills and, and kind of broke down what my experience in the hotel gave me that would lead me to positions outside of the hotel and hospitality industry. From there, we kind of talked about the purchasing that I've done and the accounting that I've done. That led me to broadening my horizon and applying for jobs that I never would have even thought to apply for before. By doing that, it introduced me to Verge Technologies and I applied for the job and got a call pretty much immediately. We did talk about those transferable skills because it's a lot of stuff that I've done. It's just when you look at a hospitality or hotel industry or restaurant industry, you're purchasing stuff, but you might be purchasing bed sheets or you might be purchasing key cards for a guest room or along those lines. And then when you get into the construction industry, you're still just purchasing stuff and it's just learning the new industry and the new terminology, but all that's provided to me. I'm really curious. I want to go back a little bit. What was missing, right? Because it sounds like the hotel industry, it was your home base for so long and you did really well there. So what was the thing that was missing that made you not love it as much as you did before. I got to the, pin I, I want to say I got to the pinnacle of my career. I got to the general manager role, which is kind of when you're in that industry and you're in the management and you're in sales and you get to a certain level, you're now the boss and you're everybody's boss. I had no colleagues anymore. I had no people that I can go for lunch with. And I really missed that interaction and having colleagues and people that I could talk to. The stress level got really high too when you get to that position. It's something that I had strived for literally my entire life. I got there and I really, it, I didn't enjoy it, which is too bad. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but the weight that was lifted off my shoulders when I got into this role, this position, and even as more things get added on to my, my plate here, I feel so much more confident in what I do here every day. Wow. So it's really that team aspect of it that was missing in lo those peers and that being part of that bigger thing was missing. Because it sounds like your job, it's like it didn't get easy by switching industries. No. Okay. But that challenge, like you said, you love a new challenge every single day. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that, Jill. Phil, how about you? How did you end up in the construction industry? So my background, when I started off my career, I was in operations for a bit. I managed to help desk over 50 direct reports. And then that help desk was closing and I got an opportunity to get into business IT consulting. So I did that for 13, 14 years. And then I was kind of yearning to get back into the operations side of things. And I got a phone call from the president here and asked me if I wanted to come into this world in this realm. It was kind of in my head, I was thinking, okay, well, I like that fast paced operation side of things and I was looking for a change. So I kind of just jumped in 
with both feet. I think what sort of aligned well here is that what Mike was looking for was kind of a bit of a white collar approach into a blue collar world. And that was a challenge that I kind of wanted to take on and try to take some of the skills that I have in the consulting world and put them into the construction. You don't just work there, right? Like you're an owner in the company. So you fully committed to this industry when you jumped in, right? Yes, absolutely. I got the phone call and this opportunity came up. It was at the point in my life where I really, I, I did want business ownership and I wanted to be in operations. When that phone call came in, it was kind of like the light bulb went off in my head. I said, if I don't take this opportunity of these things that I'm thinking I want, then I'll live with regret of not jumping in with both feet and making this whole, it is a strange feeling sometimes when you kind of just put the brakes on a 10 plus year career and say, I'm going to do something completely different and go for it. And that's here I am. You went for it. And here we are today talking about transformational leadership in the construction industry. So Phil, you clearly did not have a lot of experience or any experience in construction. I find that really interesting though, that the president already valued for whatever reason could see the skills that you brought to the table. So what do you think some of those skills are? Because the industry knowledge, you were not able to, at the beginning, bring that to the table. So what do you think it was that that president said, I need that skill set? I think a lot of it came down to of relationship building and building strong teams and relationships with people to get the work done. Because in our company, we have a lot of highly skilled technicians. So I don't think the need was there to come in and say, okay, you're going to come in and teach these people how to do their jobs. It's how am I going to be able to come in and compliment those people in motivating them to get their work done and staying organized and putting in new processes that will help the organization and help our technicians. So for me and our mentality in the office, Jill and I kind of follow is every action that we do, it's to support the field. So those skill sets, I think he saw in me that I have an analytical kind of mindset and that would translate into this world and also the ability or like one of our long-term plans is to kind of have some consultancy services, professional services provided, which is something that's sort of lacking in our trade and our trade is in the sub-trade side of things. I think that the, there is a shift starting where there's a lot more value in the technical expertise from our office, the quoting and helping out organizations, because a lot of times where we play in the sphere that we play in is sort of an afterthought of the giant trades of electrical. They go in and they do their things. No disrespect to the people that are kind of architecturally quoting in our industry, but sometimes there are aspects that are overlooked and, and we have those expertise in house and we want to showcase those expertise. So having that skill set that I have in my background really can kind of spark that flame and, and work and make inroads to help other industries and help other customers out with what we can provide them. Oh, I love that. And so can you actually back it up a little bit and tell me exactly what Verge delivers? So essentially we provide low voltage cabling, security services, and 
professional audiovisual in the commercial space. So our motto is, and our kind of our why statement is, we want to help people compete better. So what we do and the moves that we make are going to help our customers and the customer base succeed. So a really good example is, is how many times have you gone into a meeting where the technology is not working? It's an hour long meeting, 20 minutes of that meeting is trying to figure out how to use the technology and get Andrea on the Zoom call and how frustrating that is. And you leave that meeting thinking, geez, I don't even remember what happened in that meeting. It's just that experience was just so bad. That's all that really resonates where we want to strive and provide technology services to companies to alleviate that stress so that they can just come into a boardroom, hit a button and everyone's online, everything's working. And same with security passes, camera systems, all of that stuff. We want to stay on the cutting edge. We also want to, as much as we say, hey, we, we want to provide the highest end equipment, the highest end technology. We want to be able to come in through any side of the organization, small, medium, or large, and provide them with the best solution that fits their budget and fits their needs. So we like to go in, we like to do some analysis with people. Again, my skill set helps out with that as well and conduct needs analysis and say, what is it that you're really trying to do? As opposed to someone says, I was in such and such a boardroom and all this cool technology was in it. I want all that technology. Well, sometimes you don't need all that technology instead of just saying, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll gladly accept all your money and give you all this technology, but it's overkill. So we want to come in and provide you with the services that best help your business and not give you everything under the sun that some people say you need. We try to understand your business and really build that relationship with you so that it's more of a partnership Then you can trust us. You call me and you want an honest opinion on something and we're going to give that to you. I think that's what, what sets us apart from start to finish. I mean, our sales team and our technical design team do a great job at doing that and providing those services. And then when Jill and I step in on these projects, we want to keep that cohesion with our customers where you had such a great experience from the start. Now you're off to operations and, you know, really happy. Or I'm very happy to have Jill on my team because she's so highly organized that when orders come in, we know where the order stands. We know I'm able to communicate with the client and say the material is X number of days or X number of weeks, depending on supply chain issues. At least we can be upfront and honest with our clients, really manage that relationship with them. So. We really have a lot of focus on the customer service. And I really think that that's what sets us apart from other people is, is providing that to our customers. That's really cool. So I interviewed someone a couple of weeks ago and she is in business development for a construction company. She was talking about the future of work and really looking at office design from that perspective. What do people actually need? So I love that you said that just because it looks cool doesn't mean you need it. It sounds like you guys are going in and where you kind of want to go is really understanding how are people going to be using this? How can we really set up this client for success? So this idea of that consulting service, that consulting arm, I think there's something there because Jennifer Cross, I'll put the link to this episode in the show notes, but she was talking about the future of work and that's how we really need to think about design and getting people in the office and making the experience amazing and user-friendly. I love everything that you said about kind of making it all about the client because 100% I've been there. There was a moment where I was supposed to be on the Teams call once and the, the IT team, there's a huge team of people. This was for a big company. And it wasn't working. Their backup plan 
was to just call me on the phone or for me to come in on a phone call. And the quality of delivery, it's just, it's really not that great. The audio quality on a phone versus like through the internet is not that good. It was the most extremely stressful situation when they couldn't get me on there. And so if they could just make it so simple, like a plan. And I think like when it starts from the beginning, from construction, right? It's simple. From day one, it's not like, okay, we got to hear, don't touch it. Now you got to take the special training and now you need all this. If you can really focus on the user and how it's going to be used, I love that you bake that into your business and it's part of your service. So thank you for sharing that. Phil, I'm really curious because when you were hiring the team, so you don't have that construction background, but you're really bringing those relationships, that business side, that operations expertise to the table. Now when it was time to find, uh, kind of grow the team, instead of looking for someone who did a similar role at a different construction in company, you found Jill, who was working in the hospitality hotel industry. What was it that made you say, Jill, I need to bring her? I think it was those transferable skills. So when I looked at Jill's resume, what jumped out to me is that this is a highly organized individual that can handle multiple tasks and multiple things thrown at them. And then when I talked to Jill, she said, I'm looking for a career change. Obviously, I just went through a career change at that time. So... I said to her, we started talking about things and said, don't tell yourself short, just to what Jill was saying. You have all of these skill sets that are so transferable into our organization that I would rather take someone who's so highly organized. And I thought that Jill would be a great fit with the team. I could tell right from the time we were talking that she had a great personality, the stuff she wanted, she wanted that relationship building and that, that craving of the relationship. That's what we really wanted on our team. We really like to do things together as a company. I mean, it's not like we're hanging out on the weekend with each other all the time, but I mean, we have barbecues, we do team building things within the office. Yeah, you know, Friday afternoon, we'll play a game that has nothing to do with construction at all. Just, just to do some team building. I think at Christmas time, we did ax throwing. I want people in our organization that want to work here. And again, people don't have to say this is the greatest place on earth because, you know, there's times where work is never going to be the greatest all the time, but to be able to have informed discussions around things, conflict, and just having that type of personality, especially in the whole hotel industry where there's irate customers, you're going to have to deal with staffing issues, you know, people showing up. It, it, to me, it seemed very transferable and I always looked at Jill as someone that's going to come on and take on all the roles and many hats that she wears now and progressing into the company of doing other things within operations. Because of her background, she'd be able to train whoever is going to be there because in her old world, she probably had to do that as she moved up the ranks. I love right? this. Okay. <laughs> Literally, you're describing like transformational leadership. So it's so, in, and, and I mentioned there, we talk about this leadership spectrum of transactional, which is really that top down, more like that skills-based, right? Like I am the boss. I'm going to teach you how to do your job, which literally you did not do at all, Phil, because you actually didn't know how to do the jobs of your technicians. And Jill, even in for you in the hotel industry, I think you probably had these skills since you were 15, right? You said you went in, I did housekeeping, I did the front desk, I worked in the restaurant. You did everything. So you become this generalist. But what you do have is you 
build this ability to motivate people, to communicate, to troubleshoot, to rally the team, get people to get stuff done. She really shared that vision, especially in hospitality when you want to have that excellent customer service. So you literally, I think, have been working on these skills and honing them and sharpening that saw since you were 15. I don't think you realize that this is a special skill set that made I didn't, I really didn't realize. Really unique. And so you took our, our leadership accelerator and there was a moment we were, and I remember this so clearly, we were in a group coaching call and you're texting Phil. <laughs> I was literally texting Phil what we were doing because I was, it was like a light bulb went off above my head and I'm like, that's what it's called. That's what I've done my whole life. My leadership skill has a name, which I didn't realize. It kind of flipped things over for me. So tell me what it felt like to have that moment. It, went, it just, it was awesome. It was just, it made me feel more confident in my leadership abilities because there is a specific type of leadership that I have and that transformational leadership that I do, I can see it now going back into when I worked in hotels and back in that, when I used to hire the staff there and I used to put a lot of focus on not hiring for skill set. And I used to hire for personality and I used to hire, have those people that I could really build up and work a lot with and encourage them a lot. And I think that's why I succeeded as well as I did in that industry. So being able to carry that over here now and try and incorporate that to what I do here was just, it's nice to be able to see that, be able to transition over here too. So I'm really curious what it's like, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but usually from my experience. The dominant leadership style in construction. So I'm thinking about the other companies that you work with, because you can't finish a construction project on your own, right? You're always working with other companies. And more the more common leadership style is transactional. So I'm curious what it's like for you to work with some of these transactional leaders. Is that a Jill question or a Phil? It's a Jill question. <laughs> I want to know for your perspective, Jill. Well, I, I think that I bring a lot of positivity to it. So when we're talking about projects and we're talking about different things that we're, we're doing on a day-to-day -day or we're kind of following up on meetings and stuff like that, just making sure that it's, it's a positive interaction. We know where everything's going. We are very, very organized in the way that we do things, which helps a lot. Just keeping that, that flow of conversation going between all the different departments and all the different aspects of it. So is it like, maybe you don't even notice. I think maybe you're this transformational leader and they follow your lead. So they're more collaborative because you set the stage. Is that maybe what's going on? I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> Phil, I wonder if you have any observations on this and maybe the companies you work with, they have more of that transformational approach. Thanks for us. Jill's point is good communication. So I think for us, in a lot of cases, we get squeezed at the end. So a lot of our projects are, if it's on the structure cabling side, we come in it, there is a component, like a massive component we do at the start during kind of full-blown construction. And then once painting and everything else is done, we have to come back in and do the plating and do cabling through furniture. And if they're doing displays, in a conference room, same with security, with cameras and door access. So I think for us, it's very important for us to communicate well with the other trades as well. What Jill and I do is to keep on top of things is we meet every week and we go through all of our projects. We talk through all of the material needs, talk through where everything is, and then communicate with the, the trades and or our customers. So. I think for us is just staying as organized as possible and being very 
communicative with everybody involved helps. I think Joe being so organized with the material and all the other stuff, I think that that's how she achieves. I think what you're trying to ask her is, is uh, she's on top of things so much that it doesn't give people an opportunity to be lax in, in other areas. So we're always on top of where we are and what we need to do. It, it really makes a big difference. Oh, that's another trait of transformational leaders, like holding people to a higher standard. So it's like something that I think it's like, Jill, you're doing these things every day and you probably had no idea until that moment that you were actually doing these things. So I'm really curious about the impact. So now you kind of know, okay, this is the kind of impact that my leadership style can have. What have you noticed since you've had this moment or have you ever been able to leverage it in a different way? Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? It's that feeling that you don't deserve to be there and you don't know what you're doing. At any moment, people will reveal that you're a fraud and that you don't belong. Until recently, imposter syndrome was considered an internal problem, something that's in your head and it was up to you, the individual, to solve this problem. I wanna tell you today that this assumption is wrong. There is new research that explains why imposter syndrome is a systemic issue and not an individual problem. We've created a free report exploring the evidence and providing strategies companies can use to address this. Here's the truth. If you're a woman in construction, imposter syndrome is not all in your head. Get the report at ambitiontheory.ca forward slash imposter. I feel like I need to take advantage of that knowledge a little bit more. I think that that's something that Phil and I are working towards being able to utilize those tools a little bit more now. The way I'm using it is going back and looking in what I've done in the past and how am I going to bring that a little bit more forward into an industry that I don't know besides the knowledge that I've gotten for the last two years. You know, I don't have that background in it. So it's just giving me a little bit more encouragement and I think confidence in my ability to, to take on more tasks in this industry and to really feel like I'm a part of the industry as well. Because I, until I took this course and until I work with all these wonderful women that we, we met over the last few months, to me, I was just an office worker. I, I didn't even acknowledge that I worked in the construction industry. I, even talking about that, I brought it up to my 14-year-old the other day that I was having an interview on women in construction. And he's like, you don't work in construction. And I'm like, actually, I do because I work in an office. So even to them, I was just an office person. So it, it's just giving me a lot more confidence in what I do just in the day-to-day -day aspect of this industry. That's really interesting that you never really considered yourself to belong as a part of this industry. I think that's a huge misconception in that you have to be swinging a hammer all yeah. the time to work Absolutely. in construction, but the industry is so complex. It employs so many people. There's so much opportunities there. So tell me about why do you think you, what's different now for you, now that you have this sense of belonging and you're a part of this I think, honestly, having that confidence to know that I can take on more roles here and to be like, I don't necessarily have that background of swinging a hammer, but I have the background of the leadership and of the organizational and of the encouraging a team 
all of those skills that I have that I can now bring, okay, well, maybe Jill can take over this little portion of what Phil does to take stuff off of his plate so he can focus more on here, which is something that I think I didn't have the confidence or not that I didn't have the knowledge, but I didn't have the confidence to take that on before. But it's something that we can move towards more now of Jill doing stuff like that because I can acknowledge that I have those abilities that I didn't think I did. Yeah. So you talked about confidence. Any other benefits from this moment? Where you realize it's such a valuable skill that I have, Honestly, to feel like I'm more involved in the company too, which again, to me, prior to having that, the confidence and the knowledge of the role that I can now look and go, okay, well, I can get more involved in certain aspects that I wouldn't have necessarily got more involved in before because again, in my head, I was at the time just, just another office person. But now that I... I'm feeling more involved in the company and I know that there is different things that I can do. Like, do I want it? I love working for these guys. I can see myself here for a very, very long time, but am I going to do the exact same thing for the next 25 years? Probably not. So this at least opens up different doors for me with, within Verge. And if I can, if I can just jump in for a second, I think that confidence, Jill, really helps it, it resonates throughout the, the whole company because you've made that warehouse, the warehouse out back your own, and you don't take crap from anybody, whether or not it's AP, AR, any of that stuff, because you have that confidence, you can back it up and you have taken over the warehouse and organize it to the point where when the technicians come in, if they don't do something, they'll even say to me, like, Jill's going to be in touch with me. It's like, <laughs> yep. She is going to be in touch with you, right? It's like, don't mess with the process that I have set up and make sure you're doing it right. It just makes the company work better. When you have a good process and a strong leader in those processes, your whole company runs more smooth. Yep. I'm really curious, Jill, has there anything come up for you that's been like, this is no, that's been a challenge because you take that transformational leadership approach and you really, you don't have that technical expertise. So you, it's, really hard to be that kind of command and control top-down leader because you don't really know everyone's job, right? Especially with the team that we have here, that if there's something that I don't understand, they're always happy to explain it to me. As I've gotten more confident over the years, over the years, I say the years, it's been two, but as I've gotten more confident and actually been able to say, well, how does this part work? What does this part do? And then how does this part A work with part B? And the guys will explain, I say guys, our technicians will explain it to me. We do have female technicians too, not just guys. But they, because I have that confidence and I know what this part is and I order 17,000 of these parts a month and now I know what it actually does. So it kind of, it helps me do that as well. So we had another transformational leader who was like new to the construction industry and she talked about her magic skill was she's, I need to have a little tiny bit of knowledge about a lot of things in the industry just enough to ask a question. Does that philosophy like resonate with you? I'm so curious. Yeah, probably. I think to know, not necessarily what the part does, but what part of the industry. Is this an AV product? Is this a cabling product? Is this a security product? So even just 
having that minor knowledge in regards to the different, but of course, now that I've been in this role for two years, especially the purchasing portion of the role, which is what I initially started at, I do recognize, I know the vendors and the suppliers. So I know now right away, okay, well, if I'm ordering a part like this and this is the name of it, and this is the color of it, then it's for this portion of what we do. So having that knowledge. So if there's a little portion of every part that I I know, then that would probably be it because I recognize all the different vendors, brands and systems and stuff like that now. Okay. Can you talk about Phil and Jill, both of you kind of what's the growth that you've seen? Phil, you joined first, right? And Jill joined quickly after. Phil, you came in with kind of like that white collar perspective to the construction industry. And then you brought on Jill to really lean into those transformational leadership skills, have that culture of collaboration and communication and customer service. What's happened over the past two years? I think from my standpoint, we just brought a lot of structure in place. When I came over, there were times where we weren't overly sure, you know, where we were going and where material was and where people were supposed to be on job sites. If job sites were finished, just a little bit of an organization and what Jill and I together, I think have done is put a layer of, uh, I guess the theme of this podcast seems to be, well, not only just transformational leadership, but what we've been talking as organization and the, the strong communication side of things. So getting in touch with our clients, ensuring that our clients know that we're coming. If there are delays in material, getting out front of it, instead of hoping that maybe that product or part will come in the day of, and we're able to do it. If we know things aren't going to be, if they've all of a sudden been delayed, we're reaching out to customers, just being able to really stand up the operations department. Whereas like I was saying before, I think it was just kind of all over the place. At times we were letting our business to development team and our sales team sort of dictate to us, oh, we've scheduled someone to come in on this day when we may not have the resources. So right away, we just kind of stepped in and put some organizational leadership in place. Then it was, it really just came down to building trust with two of us being people that didn't have that background. It is difficult to build trust with kind of a technician base and operational base because they're trying to rely on the office with knowledge. And well, again, I don't feel like I necessarily needed to have all the answers because we have a technical design group that they can really help us out as well. But I just did things like I just went on and did project work. I just put my steel toe boots and hard hat on and went out the field and kind of did similar when Jill's asking the questions. Our technician base was always great to explain things to me and help me along the way to gain that knowledge and kind of bridge that gap. I mean, I still have lots to learn. We have millions of products that we quote on, on different jobs because every job is custom. So you don't get as many standardized things and standardized clients. So yeah, I think it's just structure was the big thing, structure and organization. And then that other pillar of communication and my philosophy of it's always the more little things we can do right will put us ahead of our competitors. So really focused on identifying those small little gaps where, I mean, I didn't work, obviously didn't work for another company, but the clients we've dealt with and the conversations I had, I asked for honest feedback. Give me the good, bad, and the ugly because 
I want to make this organization better. So if there's things that uh, we've done wrong on projects, I want to know about them. Probably people just pick up the phone anytime, give me a call. If there's something not going right on the project, or if you're not happy with the work or anything, let me know. And I, I've been fortunate enough that some of our clients are some people I've met over the years in the city, and that's helped where I can call them and say, oh, give me, you don't have to be on the record, but just give it to me straight. Like no one's getting fired from our company, but I want to be able to improve on those little things. So I'd say those three kind of pillars have been my mandate here. So Jill, I'm really curious about the influence because it's one thing to have the structure, have the operations that you talked about, Phil, but you're the one there day to day working with all the people. How did you actually influence them to like want to buy into this system? I think just having that clear cut, this is what we're going to do and being confident in what we set up just from the organization of how we order things and bring things into the warehouse. If Phil and I are confident in the way that we implement different systems to the technicians and to our team who brings it back to our customers, then it'll make a big difference in how they feel about it. So we've implemented, I can't even tell you how many different systems in the last two years here and being a newer company as well. So some of it we're, we're almost starting from scratch with. So because we're confident in those processes that we do, a lot of the times too, bringing it back to our, our team and saying, okay, well, what's working? What's not working? Is there a way that we can fix this to make it work better? So it works for everybody that's here and listening to the feedback from everybody that we work with as well. So that's helped a lot. Okay, cool. So one thing, so neither of you worked in construction before. And Jill, even from your perspective, you worked in construction for almost two years and you never really felt like you belonged in that industry. We all know there is a labor shortage that for every kind of role in construction. The career opportunities are pretty incredible. There's really cool jobs. There's really cool things you can do. What do you think needs to happen to shift that mindset so that more women are open or aware of the opportunities in construction? I think it's just to put that knowledge out there and whether it's the different provincial construction associations or the different ways that companies themselves promote when positions are available within construction. Because I, it really comes down to people here construction, they think hard hats and hammers. And there is so much more within the construction industry that, that people aren't aware of. My whole life, I have an aunt who her and her husband run a construction company in the next province over. And even to me, she didn't work in the industry because she was in the office. So I think it's just perception in general of those roles that we need to get rid of it's still construction and even teaching my son yesterday that yes mom works in the construction industry because he sees that hard hat and hammer thing which is not the case probably 50 percent of the people that work in this industry are not out on job sites if not more yeah totally Bill, do you have any ideas i think awareness would be probably the top thing just to echo what Jill is saying of just trying to understand those roles and break down some of the gender norms. Like, I think there are some women who do want to put a hearing hat on and do that as well. I think there is becoming more and more of a paradigm shift where it's a little bit easier to come into the construction world just based on getting rid of some of those old norms of it's just a male dominated kind of misogynistic side of things. And first thing I do, if I hire a technician, a female technicians, I sit them down and I just want to 
let them know that it's a safe space here to, if there's any issues, if there's one thing that happens on a job site that you're not comfortable, I want to know about it right away so that I can reach out to that job site because that's not something that we tolerate here. So I think awareness and having companies that promote it as well, that it's a welcoming environment. Like I said, with Jill, knowing that there's other positions and other roles that aren't necessarily tool-based is big. Cool. Thank you. So we always end the episode with a 24-hour action that people can take to apply what they're learned. So Jill, since you've taken coaching with us, we always end every coaching call with a 24-hour action. So I'm wondering if you can share one of yours with the audience right now from the course, then we can unpack together how people can do something about that right away to help them kind of move themselves forward. So of course, the big day that the light bulb went off that I learned about my transferable skills and my transformational leadership stuff, like setting up that meeting right away. And you know, I pretty like when that went off and I said, fill the text right from our course. And I said, we need to talk about this. Like as soon as I'm done here. And that's what we did. We went in and we talked about it right away. So I think that making sure you give yourself that time to follow up on, on any of those little tasks when you're into, whether it's your course, Andrea, or it's another course that somebody else takes, if you have that follow-up, give yourself the time to actually have those conversations right away. So I'm curious, Phil, how did it land? Did you know when Jill started talking about transformational leadership, did you already know what she was talking about? Tell me how that went. Yeah, I just, I remember that day because Jill was beaming. She came in my office, she did text me, but then she came in my office and, and told me all about it. I was familiar with that. It's always been a thought of what else could Jill do here, but her coming in and showing the enthusiasm and the drive to want to do other things in the company, I said, okay, well, let's sit down. And what do you like? I kind of not threw it back at her, but said, well, what do you want to do with this company? What, what can I help you? Yeah. What do you, where do you want to move? Where do you see yourself? So let's, let's start brainstorming. Let's, let's set some goals and let's get a plan together. I think we, we talked about it today, but just the timing of this podcast of let's revisit this conversation we had at the couple of months ago and just don't want to lose sight of if someone's enthusiastic about moving up and taking on more responsibility, let's foster that. Like, let's, where do you want to go? Let's, do we want to take a small steps? Can I give you smaller, like break off smaller pieces and see if you like that, then take on more things. Or do you want to carve out a different role and we move someone else into doing some of the other hats that you're wearing? Like, what does that look like? And What's the timeline? So we've definitely had those conversations and they've all been super positive. It gets me really excited because, you know, I have ideas and I have thoughts and things that I want to do here. Having someone that kind of wants to jump in and be on board or we're on the similar wavelengths. I like that Jill challenges decisions that I make. I, I've always wanted to be, like I say to everyone in the company, if I make a decision, it doesn't work. It doesn't mean it's the final decision. I'm. I, I never challenge you, Phil. I don't know what you're talking about. Never, okay. ever. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just, you tell me that didn't happen, but I don't never take that in a bad way whatsoever. Jill and I can challenge each other all whenever you want. And then at the end of the day or right afterwards, 
It's not like I come back in my office and I'm like, hey, that was, why would Jill ever question anything I say? It's like, I, I looked at it as I'm happy that Jill's challenging this because it's where her mindset is, is this isn't just Jill's agenda. This is, I have the company's best interests in mind. And so do I. So when we both have that and we both can kind of brainstorm and, and talk things through, it's like, maybe something else comes from it that we didn't even, the start of the conversation wasn't even about then a new idea started or a new direction that we want to go in. I, I, I love it. I like that challenge. Okay. I love this. Like when you have two transformational leaders working together, it's like the magic really happens, right? You have those above the line conversations. You can really move things forward. So I'm wondering if we could put like all of our heads together and come up with a 24 hour action for someone who wants to lean into their transformational leadership skills, but their manager is a more traditional transactional top down style. And how could they approach this conversation? thinking about a way to like get that transactional leader to just open up their mind to a different style of leadership. I think that they should just take a small task, something that's small and chunk it off and own that process. Then that kind of shows that leader, the traditional leader that, Hey, someone has taken that initiative to do this and made it their own, whether or not it's a spin on something or they put their own. It would be great if they could take that small little piece and put their own spin on it and show that it's either increases productivity or efficiency or something else. It, it, it's hard in my top of my head, it's hard to think of one little thing, but there is always in organizations, tons of what we call low hanging fruit that I think someone could just take that small little piece of fruit and kind of own it and then it kind of opens their eyes to a leader. And I think sometimes people don't think that a leader is paying attention to those small things, but they definitely are from, from my perspective, if the little things are, are the things that make the biggest difference. I love that. So just find like a little bite-sized thing that you can really lean into your transformational leadership skills and then show the transactional leaders, what the benefits are. And that I think opens up their mind and opens up the conversation to more of these transformational skills. I love that action. Thank you, Phil. So Jill, how do people connect with you and learn more about Verge Technologies? So we are online. So www.vergetechnologies.ca, vergetechnologies.ca, which I have to say very clearly as I talk on the phone with a lot of people. We're on LinkedIn and have lots of great information out there on our company. I'm very, very happy to work with, with the team that we have here. And ju I'm just excited to see even in the last two years where we've gone and where we're going to go down the road because we've got a great group and we're expanding and growing every day. It's amazing to see. Amazing. And can people connect with you on LinkedIn? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'll put your link in the show notes. And Phil, how do people connect with you? Is LinkedIn the best? LinkedIn is the best. Yeah. We also have an Instagram account, Verge Technologies as well. I also just want to take a quick opportunity to thank you for having us on the podcast. It's, it was great to chat. And like I said, I'm super proud of Jill and all the work that she does here and, and very much value every day. Oh, thank Well, thank you for sharing your story, this incredible story of really what happens of a real life case study of transformational leadership in construction. 
and the value that outside experience really can bring to the industry and really level it up with new ideas and new ways of doing things. It's not a barrier that you haven't worked in construction before. I think really helping break that down. Literally, this conversation did that today. So thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thanks again, Andrea.